Welcome again to Grace Church of Philly. It is a delight to uh, be able to share the word of God with you today. There are nine of us here trying to uh, make this live stream worship work. Uh, but we long, we all long for that day when we will gather on the Lord's day as God has ordained with God's people lifting up their voices together. Uh, the other day Dawn was uh, playing the piano at home and uh, I think she was playing uh, God You Reign. And I was listening downstairs and all of a sudden she stopped playing. And I wondered why, because I was downstairs with tears streaming down my face, just longing to hear Grace Church sing that song together. And when I went upstairs, I realized that she had stopped playing because emotionally uh, she couldn't keep going. She was also uh, tearing a little bit. We long for that day when God's people will gather together face to face. Until then, we are thankful for this means that God has given us and uh, we are convinced that it is a useful means for the furtherance of the gospel and uh, will continue it even when we begin to gather and uh, in light of that we're going to uh, try to upgrade the way that we do things. Our uh, Kenyan pastor Peter doesn't think that uh, churches in Kenya should have better live stream than churches in the U.S. So he, he's been pushing to uh, have us upgrade our uh, streaming ability and by grace, God's grace, we will do that. And if you want to help with that, it will cost, uh, you are more than welcome to, uh, to do that. I'm back in the book of Hebrews again this morning. We were there just before Palm Sunday looking primarily at verse 8 of Hebrews 13 which says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me read our text again and this morning I want us to think about how we respond to that. If we really believe that, how do we respond to the truth that Jesus is always the same? I'm reading out of Hebrews 13. Beginning in verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the camp in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. 
Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Pray with me for a moment. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would be gracious to us this morning, that you would speak to us from your word, that you would encourage us to find our life and to be satisfied with our life in Jesus Christ alone. Help us to live out the conviction that we believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I remind you that the writer of Hebrews is presenting the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus Christ over all things. Simply said, Jesus is enough if you have him. And it doesn't matter how the circumstances of life may change. Jesus is enough yesterday and today and forever. I remind you that the writer writes to people that are suffering. Many of them have suffered materially. They have lost their homes. They have been uprooted from their homes. They have lost their material uh, possessions. They are driven from their place of security and safety. They are suffering. They are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And we know that that is true of many around the world today. They suffer. There are Christians suffering all throughout Africa and Islamic countries because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, we suffer, perhaps not in the same way, but we live in a world that has fallen, a world that is broken. We know that Life is not as it ought to be, especially with coronavirus, with COVID-19. We know that this has changed the circumstances of our life, and we suffer, perhaps not from coronavirus. We suffer maybe because of the financial consequences of that. We suffer maybe because of the loneliness consequences of that. Maybe you're being challenged in your marriage because of time that is being spent together. And maybe that time is not always the best of times. You're being challenged relation, relationally. But the writer of Hebrews wants us to know that regardless of how life changes for us, if you are in Jesus Christ and he is in you, then you need to know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I remind you that these are the writer's final words to these people. He wants to remind them that their life that has radically changed for the worse on the outside does not need to change for the worse on the inside because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We all know that we live in a world of uncertainty. Everybody's asking, when will things get back to normal? And I find that 
question interesting on a couple of different levels because it depends on what we describe as normal. When will things get back to normal? Well, if normality is you know, steady income, disease-free, virus-free, threat-free living, security and safety and comfort. Uh, who knows whether that kind of normal will ever come back? We would all hope for that. But when I think of that question, I have to ask myself, what is normal for me as a believer in Christ? And has that normality really changed? Because what's normal, what should be normal for us is that we wake up every day knowing that we belong to the living God. That we've been rescued and ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That we are in his hands and we are called to faithful living. Not easy living, but we're called to faithful living in this world. And that has not changed. This is the normal life of believers. That we are pursuing Jesus Christ. Getting to know him and love him and figuring out how to serve him and invest our lives for him in this world. That is normal. That doesn't change. And if that's not what has been normal for you, then maybe this time in your life is God calling you back to the life that is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same, regardless of how things are changing and will continue to change. But if we believe that, then my question this morning from our text is, how do we respond to this Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? How do we respond to the eternal Son of God, the one who is holy, harmless, and undefiled, the one who died in our place, this one who rose again triumphant over all evil powers, this one who at this very moment is interceding for us this one who is coming again to declare his sovereign rule over the entire universe how do we respond to Jesus let me suggest a couple of ways from the closing words of Hebrews this morning first of all the writer of Hebrews reminds us that we must be nourished in Christ we must be nourished in the grace that comes only through Jesus Christ. He says, don't let your heart be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. 
the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, they're burned outside the camp. You can't eat that, that Old Testament sacrifice. But his point is, we have Jesus and we eat of Jesus. We are nourished by the grace that comes through Jesus Christ every day of our life. He wants us to know that it's internal grace, not external rites or external ritual or external circumstances or external blessing. It's internal grace by which the Christian life is nurtured. And maybe at this time, God is reminding us of that. That he is stripping away things upon which we have depended, things which we have enjoyed, things which perhaps were a comfort to us and provided security to us. And God is stripping them away to remind us that our souls, our lives are nurtured, not by anything external. By, but by internal grace. Don't be led away. Because we know that that is our tendency. To be led away. As the songwriter wrote, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Don't be led away. Don't be carried away by false teaching, by false promises that tells you that your life, your joy, your security, your happiness is found in something external. Don't be led away by anything that moves you away from looking to that internal grace that comes from Jesus Christ. Paul in Colossians put it this way. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Paul feared that the Corinthians would be led away, that they would be deceived by Satan and be led away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. He reminds us in Ephesians 4 that God gave us teachers of the word of God so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Let no one deceive you with empty words, not by foods, which he said have not benefited those who are devoted to them, those who are creating these new methods and promises of spirituality. In the first century, it was people who were saying there is a biblical diet. 
There is a certain food that you can eat or certain foods that you can abstain from. And though, and by doing that, that will elevate you spiritually, that will bring you what you are longing for in your soul, that peace and joy and contentment. And the writer of Hebrews says, even those who promise that and who teach that, when they lay their head on the pillow at night and think about their life, their life is still empty because it can only be filled by the grace of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus taught he says it's not what goes into a person that defiles the person. It's not the external that will make you, or what you intake from outside that will make you what you are. Paul said the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit who's been given to us as a gift and who takes that future world that, that, that God's prepared for us and he brings it into the presence and we begin to taste of God's ultimate blessing even today through the Spirit. It's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy. Paul said food will never commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and we are no better off if we do. And we could apply that not only to food, we could apply it to any external act that I perform trying to achieve grace that will nourish my soul and satisfy my soul. There's not a book that you can read that will radically change your life once and for all. There are books you can read who can point you to Christ and as you look to Christ you can be nourished and satisfied but there's no book that will change your life. There are no seven principles that will nourish your soul and satisfy you forever. There is no experience you know come to the holy land you will never be different the only way that going to the holy land could make you different is if in seeing things and hearing the word of God afresh and it pointing you to the wonderful work of God in Jesus Christ your life then would be nourished and transformed but there is no piece of geography that can nourish our soul It is good, he says, for the heart to be strengthened by grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we have received, the Bible says, grace upon grace and more grace. We have an altar 
that we come to. We come to a cross and we believe the gospel and we are nourished. We come to the cross and in coming to the cross we know that this one who has died rose from the dead and he lives and we are nourished as we look to Jesus Christ. In contrast on the day of atonement that very significant and important day in the life of Israel when that sacrifice was made and the blood was taken to take into that holy of holies the carcass of the animal that which was not consumed on the altar the rest of it was taken outside the camp nobody got to eat of that sacrifice not even the high priest was nourished by that sacrifice. But we have an altar. By faith we have eaten the flesh and drunk the blood of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And you say, well, how do I do that? Jesus said, because... You do that by believing in me. He that believes in me will never hunger. And he that comes to me will never thirst. He that comes to me will never hunger. He that believes in me will never thirst. You believe and you come to Jesus and you eat and you drink and you are nurtured by the grace of the gospel that God brings you in Jesus Christ. So I have to ask you, when will your supply of internal nourishment run out? Because if what you depend on, what you look to, what you, what you believe you need in order to be happy is anything but Jesus Christ, it will run out. But if you are feeding on Jesus, if your heart is being strengthened and nourished by grace, then you will never wake up a day in your life and there will never be a day throughout all eternity when Jesus will fail to be the one who nourishes your soul because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. If I believe that, then I must pursue him. I, I must seek to be nourished in a relationship with Christ by believing his promises and looking to him in faith and depending on him day by day. And secondly, in verses 12 through 14, if I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I should be willing to identify and suffer with him. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. 
Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. You should know that the most important sacrifice of all time, the only eternally effective sacrifice of all time was not offered within the city, within the temple, within that sacred, protected, proper place of acceptability. The most important sacrifice of all time was made outside the city at Golgotha, at the place of the skull, outside of propriety and outside of acceptability, crucified with criminals, but willing to bear that reproach of bearing our sin. And the writer says, let's go to him outside the camp. And that is such a challenge, living in the 21st century, in a world that is becoming increasingly adverse to the Christian faith, to the authority of scripture, to biblical morality, to the claim that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Nobody, no sinner apart from the grace of God likes the idea, the biblical idea, that they can't ever be good enough for God. Sinners do not like to know that, that the worst of humanity and the best of humanity come to God the same humble way. That whether you're Mother Teresa or you're Adolf Hitler, if you will know the grace of God, you will know it because you repent of your unworthiness. You repent of your inability to present to God the perfect life that he requires. But sinners don't want to think that Mother Teresa and Hitler come to God the same way through Jesus Christ. They don't like the idea that salvation is a, a gift, that you can't pay for it, that you don't deserve it, that it's God's sovereign goodness that offers this gift. They certainly don't like the idea that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The writer says, go outside the camp. Last week, Peter, or, uh, Steve preached on Peter, about Peter, not Peter Nadiata. But Peter wanted to be in the camp. He wanted that place of acceptability and propriety and the only way to have that acceptance 
was to deny Jesus Christ. I find it striking that it doesn't matter how much good someone may do, if they are a believer, then it can't possibly be true that good can come out of them. I think of Franklin Graham. Whether you or I agree with Franklin Graham on on everything, and we probably don't because nobody agrees with anybody on everything. But here's a believer in Christ who wants to help a city, providing medical help and tents and beds, and they just can't accept it. They can't say thank you, God bless you. Why? Because he loves Jesus. He loves the Bible. He loves biblical morality. He will not bend. I think of our Vice President, Pence. You know, whether you like him or not as a political leader, he's your brother. And he's not ashamed of being your brother. But because he is a believer, he lives by biblical standards, he lives under the authority of Jesus and his word. What good can a Christian be in this world? Go outside the camp. The reproach that Jesus bore was the reproach of the gospel. That through his substitutionary death, he would bear the sin of sinners so that sinners could be reconciled to God. And he was willing to bear that reproach of the gospel. And the writer says, go out with him. If you want to meet Jesus, you don't meet him in that place of safety and acceptability and propriety. You won't meet him in that gorgeous, well-adorned Jewish temple. You will meet him on Golgotha. You'll meet him at the cross. Amen. And he says you should be willing to bear this reproach. Because you know, even though you may not think about it enough, you know that here you have no continuing city. You have no place on planet earth as a believer that you can finally say, I am home, I am safe, I am secure, my life is good from now on. Amen. Now bear the reproach of Jesus because here on planet earth there is no place of final safety and security. If you're a believer, you know that though you may not think about it enough, but you know that, and you should know that we seek a city that is yet to come. We are a people driven, not by our circumstances. We are a people that are driven by eschatology. We're people that are driven by the promise of the future. 
Not that I will wake up tomorrow and everything will be all right in my world, but I will wake up someday and everything will be all right in my eternal world. We have a Christ who is the same. Yesterday, for all of history, going back to eternity and creation and the incarnation and the life and death and, and, and resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ and, and all of that history of the, the church and your history in Christ. He says Jesus is the same yesterday and right where you are today. Regardless of what's happening in your life, Jesus is the same today and tomorrow. However many tomorrows there are, and even that eternal tomorrow, Jesus is the same. So be nourished in him. Identify with him. And suffer with him. Because one day that trumpet will sound and the clouds will part. And Jesus will descend and we will meet him. And the new heaven and new earth will be brought about. And we will live forever with our Savior. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Be nourished in him. Identify and suffer with him. And next week we'll think about other ways to respond to this Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God bless you. Pray with me for a moment, please. Would you bow your head before the living God who has been speaking to your heart about your life? Are you empty? Are you searching? Are you miserable? Are you discontent? It's because your heart is not being strengthened by grace that is only found in Jesus Christ. And I admit, it is a challenge, it is a battle, a good battle every day, fighting for the faith to believe the promises of God in Jesus and fighting to look to him and not believe the lies of the world and the lies of my own heart that want to tell me that I can find what I'm looking for somewhere else. But this morning, if you've never repented before God and trusted Christ as your Lord and surrendered to him, why not do that right now? Just right where you, you are in your living room. Father, I'm a sinner that desperately needs to be rescued. And I know that I cannot rescue myself. But I believe that Jesus, your son, died in my place and rose again to give me a life that can be satisfied in him forever. Today I repent 
and surrender to Jesus Christ as my Lord. And as a believer today, perhaps you need to say, Father, my heart has been led astray by false teaching, by the lies of the world, and, and, and my, my heart is discontent. And forgive me for not looking to Jesus Christ. I repent. And I ask for grace to believe and to keep believing the promises of God. Father, speak to all of us. Bring us all to humility and to that wonderful, joyful experience of looking to Jesus Christ day by day by faith. I pray in his name. Amen.